every almost every single fish came either on a popper fly or on a top water lure of some sort. It was just a incredible day. A smallmouth smackdown on top water? Yes, please. On episode 66, brought to you by reelsandtackle.com. Welcome to the Telltale Fisherman Podcast, where avid anglers share the story of their best fishing day ever to inspire yours. Now it's time for another epic adventure. So here's your host, John Woodson. All right, welcome to today's show. Today we are talking with James Frakes, who's coming to us from Montana. James, how are you doing, man? I'm great. How are you doing, John? Doing very good. Did, did I get your name right there? Did I pronounce your last name correctly? You did. Okay, very good. All right. Well, we, we're off to a good start then, and uh, we're about to talk about fishing, so it's going to get even better. But before we jump off into that, uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do? Sure thing. Um, well, I am a registered Maine guide. Uh, okay. Currently not in Maine, though. Um <laughs> I'm actually out in Missoula, Montana right now, Mm -hmm. and I'm working on getting my degree in aquatic biology. Oh, very cool. Um, Yeah, we're at the uh, University of Montana, Mm -hmm. and uh, I sort of chose to come out to school here because, you know, it's uh, Trout Town, USA. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. If you like to fly fish, that's uh, not a bad place to be from what I hear. Yeah, so... um, you know, I keep schoolwork, in, you know, at the front of my mind, but I spend a lot of my time on the rivers. Yeah. Uh, during during the school year, and then this summer I'm out here uh, just sort of living the dream, doing the trout bum thing out here. Oh, man, you're, make, you're making me jealous. I haven't had a chance to get out west and do that kind of fishing yet, and boy, would I love to. But uh, well, at least at least I'll get to do it vicariously through you here tonight. But uh, but before we maybe jump into the Montana fishing, um, why don't you just tell us a little bit about you know growing up? I guess it was in in Maine, and you know the kind of fishing you did there, and you know how you really got into fishing. For sure, um, it's kind of a weird story, I guess. Um, neither of my parents were into fishing at all, so mm. I didn't have a uh, you know anybody showing me how to fish and. Ever since I was a young kid, I was fascinated by it. Um, and then one day, I think it was my mom actually took me down to a dock. This was in uh, Mid Coast, Maine, mm-hmm. and um, we were just—I think we were probably just fishing worms, to be honest with you. Yeah. And um, there was a registered Maine guide there. His name's Doug. Mm-hmm. He's still a good friend of mine today. And uh, he said, "Well, why don't we go out fishing sometime?" And we made a plan, and he took me out fishing, and I think. I think I caught a four pound bass and wow. geez, I was hooked. No, I bet. <laughs> I bet. So, so how old were you then? Oh gosh. I must've been maybe 10 years old. Wow. Yeah. I, my, I think my first big bass that I can remember was back when I was uh, five years old or so. And uh, boy, it, mm-hmm. it sure makes an impression, doesn't it? When you catch a fish like that. Oh heck yeah. I can still remember it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And uh, so, so you're a hooked, Hook then. So what what happened from then? Did you get to uh, fish much more, you know, growing up, or was it kind of when you got older that you really got into it more? Well, so I guess all through middle school, I was doing a lot of bass fishing, uh, mm-hmm. fin fishing, 
And then um, my parents moved, uh, and so I moved too for my high school. And we moved to Southern California. Oh, and <laughs> okay, yeah. The fishing sort of uh, grinded to a halt yeah. at that point. And then I uh, went back to school for college back in Ithaca, New York. Oh, yeah? And yeah, yeah, I know that. Mm -hmm. I sort of I picked it back up when I went back uh, to college. Okay. So that, so largemouth and smallmouth fishing you were doing up there? Uh, yeah. And then I also started to get into some fly fishing at that time. Okay. Um, Most, sort of, mostly for bass, or were you doing some other species up there? In New York? Yeah. Well, I, I actually didn't spend a whole bunch of time in New York fishing so much. I was mostly just there for school, and then that summer I was doing a lot of bass fishing, smallmouth mm -hmm. fishing um, back in Maine. And okay. got, uh, gotcha. I got a job at a fly shop, and um, so that really drove my fly fishing oh, uh, I even bet. further. And uh, did some trout fishing, a little bit of some salmon fishing. Well, not real salmon fishing, you know, landlocked salmon, what we have in Maine. Mm -hmm. And uh, did that for probably three or four years, and that's when I got my uh, guide's license out in Maine. Okay, so... Yeah, now, so you said a registered Maine guide is that that did I get the words right? Yes. Okay. So, is there is there something different to that or unique about that uh, certification that to that you have to get there in Maine? Well, yeah. Uh, the testing, I guess, somewhat rigorous testing. Mm -hmm. Other states, you don't need to go through so much testing. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, the testing for becoming a Maine guide is uh, pretty. Uh, pretty uh, serious stuff. They um, they first give you a written test, and then they give you a map and compass test where you have to like, you know, prove that you know how to use maps and compasses. And then the really the scariest part is the uh, the final part where it's a warden, like two retired wardens, and they um, they basically just spitfire these questions at you, and then at the end they give you a lost person scenario. And yeah, based on your response to how you would get out of, you know, the worst situation that they could ever put you in in the woods, <laughs> uh, they decide if uh, oh my goodness if you're fit to be a guide. Wow. So okay. So I, I, you know, coming from Florida, my Florida mindset here, you know, there's, you know, we have some swamps and things, but for the most part, you know, you're you're not really going to get lost. But I guess up there in Maine, that's that's the concern, right? That you could get back in some pretty wild and uh, woolly places and maybe get lost and run yep. into some situations and things. Huh? How about that? Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty old school uh, way of doing things. You can tell that there's definitely some old traditions still, you mm -hmm. know, happening there, but it's, it was uh, pretty cool and it made getting the license uh, sort of a bigger deal for me, I guess. Right. Right. Well, I'm sure you learned some interesting stuff going through the process. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. So, so did you get to uh, do much guiding then after you got the uh, license before you moved out to Montana? I did. Yeah, I did um, three years of guiding. First year mm -hmm. was uh, pretty tough to get clients. I, I think I only did seven trips that year, and I was completely self-employed. So, it was um, okay. It was kind of rough going at, at starts you know i was i did seven trips that year but i was still working at the fly shop and that's how i got my foot in the door 
doing that. Right. Um, the next year I did, I think maybe 15 or 16 trips. And then mm-hmm. the third year, uh, it sort of took off. I did like 25 trips in the summer and that was great. Nice. Now, uh, of course, you know, again, my Florida mindset here, we, we think, Oh, you know, going out 25 times, that's, that's not that much, but you've got a, a much shorter season there. I mean, you've got oh, a, yeah. a shorter window to work with, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, that was just uh, from the end of June to basically middle of August. Oh, wow. Is it is it that short of a window that you have? I mean, that's the, that's the really good bass season. I'm, I basically only guide for bass. Um, I try to, I mean, I do a few trout trips, walk and wave mm-hmm. trout trips, um, but Maine's trout fishing is leaves a lot to be desired say the least but um, <laughs> well, well so. certainly compared to where you are now anyway <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> but yeah the uh the smallmouth fishing in maine is just absolutely phenomenal and uh, that's basically what most people want to do anyway yeah i've i've not had occasion to catch many smallmouth we we did one trip up to canada back wow a few many many years ago i'll just say and uh, I think we caught one or two, but boy, did they make an impression. They're they're quite a uh, fun and hard-fighting fish. They really are. That might be my favorite. Uh, it might be my favorite freshwater species, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, one of our guests, I remember talking about small mouse and, and said, you know, all this stuff we have to catch down here in Florida, if, if there was one species that, you know, I wish we had that we don't, and I, it's the small mouth. Um, I would really <laughs> love to be able to catch more of those yeah but you guys got uh, the peacocks right well yeah we've got those now um yeah we've i've spoken to one captain um uh down in in south florida who uh yeah he's really got them dialed in and uh boy it looks like he he and his clients have a lot of fun (laughs) catching those and all kinds of other exotics that uh somehow find their way out of the fish tanks into the uh into the local lakes and things <laughs> down there where it's nice and hot and they all love that uh yeah. tropical basically tropical weather so um yeah but you know it that's the that's the great thing about our our country and states and well you know even all over wherever you are there's there's always great fish to catch if you just if you just go look absolutely you could travel the world and you know catch fish the whole way around Oh, absolutely. Well, so the place you've uh, landed here for school is not such a bad place for fishing either. So tell me a little bit about that and, you know, just kind of what it's been like in your process of discovering Montana and its fishery and, you know, what, what, what you've been doing out there to learn that, uh, that new area. Sure. Well, uh, basically I decided I needed to go back to school to get a degree <laughs> to, uh, well, I guess one to make my parents happy and two just to get a, <laughs> uh, a bit of a better job, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it actually happened. I made the decision one day I was out fishing with a friend of mine. We were doing a landlocked salmon trip and it's like mm-hmm. a three hour drive. And he, um, he's an older gentleman and he uh, had a magazine with him and he said, I know you're trying to go back to school. I just read this article about the University of Montana and then he gave me the magazine and he's like, just read that article. I think you'll be sold. So, mm-hmm. so I did. And then I applied and, um, 
I got all signed up to come in. That was uh, two years ago. So I've been out here for two years, but this is my first summer out here. Oh, okay. And I bet it's pretty spectacular summertime fishing in that state. Yeah, to be honest with you, we had such a bad snow or such a good snow year this year uh, mm-hmm. that runoff basically just stopped. Oh, wow. So okay. it's really it's really just starting to pick up out here, um, especially mm-hmm. in, you know, in the bigger rivers. It's really starting to pick up right about now. Okay. So so that runoff, is it the, the cold water coming down that really kind of has the fish shut out or high water levels? You know, what, what is yeah, it about exactly. that? Yeah, exactly. It's up in the mount. All the all the snow melting up on the mountains mm-hmm. uh, yeah. just pumps the rivers full of water, and it's just crazy high waters. And, oh, okay. And yeah, just murky, and it's really basically unfishable. And right, you know, the big rivers around where I am at right now, the Clark Fork, the Bitterroot, was all unfishable until about a week ago. Oh wow. Okay. And and you say that's not only a uh the the level of the water it's the clarity and i, I guess exactly. it's running so fast you, you know to try to <laughs> get a uh, fly where you want it and to stay in the zone I, I bet can be tricky when it's high current like that yeah it just spreads the fish out too so far and it pushes a lot of the nicer fish up the uh the creeks and stuff so i've been sort of mm. focusing my last i guess the last month i've been focusing mostly on smaller trips right Okay, so water levels are coming down and and uh, the, everything's coming together like you like to see, I guess, for, for trout fishing now? Yeah, I'd say it's, uh, I was actually out there today and it just seems to be hitting peak season right now, so that's great. Oh, how cool. So so talk to us a little bit about, you know, how you fish out there. Or do you, I mean, do you drift boat fish? You walk the riverbanks? You know, what... What's your typical day of fishing like? Well, if I had a boat, <laughs> I'd probably be on the <laughs> yeah. river right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I don't have a boat. I do I do a lot of walking, waiting. Um, mm-hmm. I've got a little kick boat um, that I bought just to kick around the lakes. But mostly mm-hmm. just walking, waiting. Um, Montana's got great public access laws. Anything you know below the high water mark, you can wade in and you can hop oh, in and cool. bridge crossing. So it's great. Um, you can basically explore wherever you want to go and mm-hmm. there's no end to the water in Montana. So, yeah, yes. So I guess it's a little, as, as long as the water levels down enough and you can get down to it, then, then you're good to go. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of times I'll just hop in at a bridge and walk, you know, two, three miles up and just fish there and back and, that'll bring you to darkness. Wow. So w- when you do that, I mean, how many other folks do you normally see out there on the river fishing like that? How many, I mean, how many other people kind of hop and hop and pop along the bank like that? Um, I guess the boat traffic is sort of what's the worst out here. Um, mm-hmm. not as many people like to, you know, just hike and fish, <laughs> But okay. you definitely you definitely see people, especially at you know the public access sites. You see a lot of people, um, and closer to Missoula, the closer you stay to Missoula, the more uh, people you see. But uh, for the most part, you're pretty isolated when you're out there walking the banks and and fishing like that, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, especially if you if you want to be isolated, it's pretty easily achieved. You just you know you can find a stretch of river that nobody's fishing, or go to a 
you know, go to a smaller piece of water that people don't really think about that often, you know, stay off mm-hmm. the blue ribbon streams and you can still find some great fishing going up some of the, you know, no name creeks and stuff like this that uh, still have a bunch of fish. In them. Right. So, so when you're deciding, you know, amongst all these different places to go and fish, are you really thinking about water level or, you know, how do you decide which one to go to at which time? Gosh, it's, uh, that is the ultimate struggle is like, oh, I'm going to, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna spend a day and I need to, you know, choose one spot and Montana yeah. is giant and there's mm-hmm. rivers everywhere. How do you, how do you narrow it down? And, right. uh, that is really just something that comes with time. And, uh, I'm just now starting to really feel confident about, you know, I think that the, the mayfly hatch is going to be really strong on this stretch of river at this time. So I'll go there at four o'clock. And before that, maybe I'll go <laughs> wow. somewhere else and I'll, you know, I'll nymph fish somewhere else until then. Or, you know, you think about like, you can hit two or three spots on the way. Like I know this river is on the way to this river and you have, you know, backup plans. If the first one doesn't <laughs> go through so well. So it's, that is probably one of the hardest parts of, fishing out here is just deciding where to go yeah i would i would think so you know especially as water levels change and um well even temperatures and things i guess could change Mm -hmm. like we were talking about that uh the uh flow down off of the snow melts Mm -hmm. you know i bet i bet you can get some pretty wild temperature swings and things too so yeah it's probably a lot to it yeah, there's a ton to it. And then you, you know, you put in the, and the uh, bug hatches and yeah, hatches, you get migrations of fish. Like we just had all of the spring spawners are now moving out of their cribs down into the bigger waters and you just try and intersect whatever you can, you know? Right. Well, I guess one thing about walking the riverbanks and, and fishing like that is you really get to observe what's going on and look for, you know, what bugs are out there and, and, kind of get keyed in that way right absolutely yeah it's a lot more intimate situation with it right kind of difference i guess between uh on on the golf course driving driving a cart or you know pushing your bag or carrying your own bag you know you kind (laughs) of so you're there zooming around in a boat so you you probably miss some things um that that the guys walking the bank would catch absolutely um man but but uh Tell us a little bit, little bit about the scenery, though. Um, I've heard that it's just spectacular out there. Yeah, well, um, we have you know a mix of different kinds of rivers out here. Um, we have spring creeks. We have you know big freestone mountain creeks, mm. tiny little, tiny little tribs that just are like pocket water, and um, you know they all they're all within driving like half or an hour from Missoula. So you can really tailor in what you want to do. We also have great, um, lake fishing here and, Hmm. uh, pretty, pretty great pike fishing here too. Oh, really? Oh, how cool is that? Yeah. You got, you got quite a few species to get after out there. Yeah. We also have, uh, one of my new favorite things to do out here is, uh, carp fishing. Oh yeah, I've seen a couple of uh, posts on your on your Instagram feed there. So, and I've I've talked with several fly guys now who um, e- they even love 
going after them right in the urban settings, you know, right? You can find them downtown everywhere from the, you know, rivers out in the, out, out away from the town to right down in ditches and all kinds of stuff. And they, they put up quite a fight, don't they? Absolutely. One of my favorite places to, uh, to target carp is actually in the LA river itself. When I go back wow. home to visit my parents, uh, uh-huh. you know, the LA river is basically a sewer and it's just <laughs> loaded with big carp, you know, seven to 10 pound carp live in this river and wow. it's gin clear water and mm-hmm. just really low flows and it's spooky, spooky fish. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're standing on piles of trash and you have homeless <laughs> people heckling you sometimes and, but you're catching these crazy carp and it's, uh, Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's, Talk that's about the urban the, jungle fishing, huh? Absolutely. I love doing it though. It's really, I mean, it's so challenging. Sometimes if you just look at those fish funny, they will get spooked. It's, it's, uh, oh, yeah. it's a challenge. Oh yeah. And so what, what kind of flies are you using to target a carp in a sewer? <laughs> you know, I don't think fly really matters, but my go-to out there is a uh, tan glow bug, which is a, um, it's a tan egg pattern. And okay. I, put, I put one real small split shot on it and, mm-hmm. um, it's meant to imitate the tortilla hatch apparently. Hmm. <laughs> and will and will that work at all times of the year or yeah uh basically it's like pretty much constantly hot and warm out there in yeah. southern california um mm-hmm. but yeah i mean you could basically throw any nymph or anything um to a carp as long as it's presented you know the right way the way that the carp wants it it will basically eat it Ah, and as, and as long as they don't get spooked beforehand, which is uh, no easy thing not to do, right? Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Man. Well, yeah. That, that I I think that carp fishing really is becoming quite a popular thing um, all across the country. From a lot of the guys I've been talking with, they're kind of a hidden gem uh, that's well not even so hidden really they're right right there in front of your face and at a lot of places where you don't even think to look yeah they don't get the uh, respect they deserve it's they're they're cool species you know that they uh they don't have any aggression in them so if trying to get them to like eat a fly you really have to right. feed them and you can't spook them because they're so skittish so uh, it's it's no easy feat to catch a a carp great on right right wow well how cool is that so you've uh kind of covered both coasts and and in between there and and got a lot of species so far it sounds (laughs) like yeah i uh I'll do anything to get a bend in my rod. That's for sure. There you go. Well, well, how about uh, saltwater? Have you had much chance to do any saltwater fishing? Uh, yeah, I. I fish a bit back in Maine. We do a bit of striper fishing. Mm -hmm. Um, It's right at the northern limit of the striper sort of run, so we get a lot of smoothies. um, Okay, up there, but uh, that's pretty fantastic. You know, there's also uh, mackerel and stuff like that. Just right, people who consider that a bay fish, they're not not that fun. But Mm -hmm. now, did, um, did you fly fly fish for those, or was that all conventional spin casting stuff? Uh, last summer I really got into the fly fishing forum 
Um, before mm-hmm. that, it was all just spin fishing. But I right. actually, I feel like I really figured them out on the fly rod last year pretty pretty well. Oh, I bet some of those fish will put a really nice bend in your fly rod. Yeah. I caught uh, one night I went out with a buddy of mine, and I was fishing a popper, and I wasn't really expecting to catch any big ones, but uh, a big big a big 30 incher came up and ate my popper and i was fishing a six weight and gosh that was that was one heck of a fight (laughs) (laughs) that that rod might have been a a little undermatched for that fish (laughs) no yeah that fish it just went straight down i was in my backing like three times and uh (laughs) well and i'm assuming you were fishing around structure there because uh (laughs) probably would have ended that (laughs) yeah no it just it just fishing the bank basically and uh okay it ran out to the uh tried to run out to the middle of the atlantic i guess <laughs> <laughs> it almost got there it sounded like <laughs> just about oh man well we've uh talked about several uh cool types of fishing you've done here so i can only imagine what your uh, most epic day of fishing is going to be like so we're going to take a real quick break here and uh, we're going to get right back to that so everybody hang tight and we will be right back as avid anglers our mission is always fishing but at the telltale fishermen our mission is to find the most epic fishing stories from around the world and to do that we need your help when you share us on social media that's like casting a line in a new pond lake or ocean where the next trophy fishing story awaits Go to tell.fish, click one of our social media icons, and help cast the net for our next inductee to the Telltale Hall of Fame. Okay, we have been talking uh, fishing with James Frakes, and really everywhere from uh, way up the East Coast to uh, way out on the West Coast. You know, he's done everything from Maine to Southern California, and now has the uh, really tough assignment of fly fishing in, uh, in Montana while he's going to school there. Wow. We want to find out what your most epic day of fishing was. So, uh, you know, tell us where it was and, you know, what you were doing that day. Oh, wow. That's a, uh, that's a hard assignment. There's a yeah. lot of memorable moments on the water. Um, I guess maybe I'll, t- uh, I'll tell you a story about fly fishing trip I did back in Maine, uh, for mm-hmm. some small mouth. Okay. Um, this was when I was just sort of getting into, uh, just getting back into fly fishing. And, mm-hmm. um, I did a trip with my friend, uh, Doug, who's also a registered main guide and my dad, who is a traditional spin fishing, uh, fisherman. And, uh, we were fishing a stretch of the Penobscot river in maine and we did not know (laughs) how good the fishing was going to be we went out there i think probably 8 a.m and by lunchtime i think everyone on the boat um was already into the double digits and a lot of these smallmouth were um probably 18 to 20 inch range fish and Every almost every single fish came either on a popper fly or on a top water uh, lure of some sort, and mm. uh, it was just a incredible day. Just um, wow! It was dead still, 
And something about that day, the smallmouth were on top like no other day. And I just remember it was like, it felt like every cast you were confident that you would at least get a strike <laughs> of some kind, you know, that kind of oh, fishing was just yeah. like so fun. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, so that's a, as we were talking about earlier, that's a crazy good fun fish to catch anyway. But now you throw top water in the mix and you know, that's, that's like fishing on steroids there. I've talked to so many guys doing the show who some of them will fish all day, you know, whether it's for redfish or whatever, they're just so addicted to that topwater bite that, you know, they just fish it all the time. So, yeah. oh man, when you can get on them like that and, and they will go all morning on topwater, man, that must've just been crazy good. Absolutely great. Yeah. It was, uh, it was just so memorable. Just everybody hooked up multiple doubles. People just anywhere you could imagine a fish would be, they were. Wow. So up to up top and feeding on anything that anything that moved, basically, it sounds like. Yeah, I think what it was was a, a dragonfly hatch that was happening. There was just I remember there being ah. dragonflies all over the place. And, mm-hmm. you know, it seemed like smallmouth were rising all around the river like, you know, brown trout rise in a mayfly hatch it was just oh really yeah and they were cued in on top and um i remember the guy i was the only one fly fishing everybody else was using um you know the uh hidden torpedoes yep the the little prop bait exactly the little prop on it yeah 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 yeah, yeah. that was just killing it that that buzzing sound i don't know what it was doing but holy heck they were just blowing up on it. Oh, so. man. Oh, yeah. That, well, that's what I was going to ask is you mentioned the dragonflies. So I was wondering if it was that, that you had flies that were kind of mimicking that. But really, it sounds like they were just so, you know, focused on top feeding. It didn't matter as yeah. long as it was up there making noise. They, yeah, they, they were going care. for it. They really didn't care. <laughs> wow. So, they, so you were saying these were fish in the 18 to 20 range pound wise how what, what would that couple three pounds yeah just about i mean these are river fish too so they've got shoulders on them and they they fight like crazy and they're not oh super, yeah you know they're not hefty you know smallmouth a three pound smallmouth is just insane. oh it's big yeah really big right yeah. yeah yeah wow so not only quality but they've got a little current behind mm-hmm. them and it makes them even tougher to to boat <laughs> exactly and they'll wow. jump you know a lot of them will tail walk and a bunch of them almost every fish will jump at least a couple three times wow so so have you experienced that phenomenon again when they're up and just going crazy like that i you know i've searched for it i've never had a day that was quite as good um but i have uh i have you know when you go up to the penobscot you're bound to catch fish it's uh mm. that that river is just loaded with smallmouth and mm. um it's that's a you know just a great fishing river and you really can't go wrong yeah so tell me a little bit about the river i mean is it shallow deep i mean is it a wide river i mean what what's it like fishing there it's a super wide river um it's dammed up in a bunch of places um okay. maybe a little behind the times with that sort of thing and um so the it's it's basically just a smallmouth fishery. I think, you know, there are some pickerel and stuff like that around, um, you know, perch and all that, 
right. but you know, it's, uh, it's a section you can put a boat in, you know, there's a pretty decent flow, but you can definitely have a power boat. Um, okay. The section that I like to hit. Yeah. So definitely a big enough river that you can, you can go boating and, and fish that way. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So, so there's, but there's plenty of place for, uh, the smallmouth to hide. It sounds like, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of territory to cover and for you to get into that many of them shows how, how thick they must've been in there. Yeah. It's, it's a really productive river and I've never, I mean, in the summertime you can't just, you just can't miss up there. Wow. And is it very deep water or? Uh, yeah, it's sort of like mm, probably averaging like out in the middle channel, probably 15 feet. Then, you know, the banks have a lot of boulders. Uh, then it goes through, you know, some sections are a little bit more meadowy, um, Mm -hmm. with some slower water widens out. You know, that's okay. where those those dragonflies are. I like to yeah, yeah. Out the water. I'm assuming at different times of the year, there's definitely some different ways you have to approach those fish. Sometimes you're fishing deeper and fishing those rocks and things. Mm-hmm. You know, that, right? Yeah. Early in the season, you know, get down there with streamers or um, fishing big crayfly patterns, crayfish patterns. Mm-hmm. But you went on the uh, on the popper day, <laughs> on the topwater day, and man, that's that's the day I'd sure love to be there. By the way, that must have <laughs> been a blast. Yeah, it was it was pretty fantastic. Wow. So, well, that's that's definitely a tough day to top. Have you had anything out there in uh, Montana that that rivals that yet? Oh yeah. I mean, it's not so much. I've never had a day like that where you just catch in the you know in the 50 or 60 fish days. Uh, but right. I do have very memorable fish out here. In fact, yeah. uh, yesterday I had one of the most memorable times of my life, uh, with a pal, we were fishing right in downtown Missoula and mm-hmm. he hooked into a pike. That was one of the biggest pikes I've seen come out of uh, the river here. And wow. it went straight into a tree, tangled himself up and, I convinced him to go swimming down in this nasty, it's like a really <laughs> disgusting area. He swam down there and after 30 minutes of fighting this thing and untangling it out of the, out of the brush, he finally landed this fish. And this oh giant man. Oh, well. So he, he, he probably for that 30 minutes was uh second guessing that decision to go in after it. But when he got it out and got that picture, I <laughs> yeah, he thought he was, it was all worth it. Yeah, he was really happy <laughs> that I told him you you better go swimming. That's a giant pike you got on. <laughs> yeah, they don't they don't come along every day. You definitely want to get your picture taken with one of them when when you get hooked up on the other end if they give you the chance. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh man, so I just wanted to ask you. Um, so when when you get the uh, the the degree here. Uh, what's, what's the plan for after that? I mean, you've, you've got Maine, you're a guide in Maine and, uh, learning all the waters in Montana and uh, now you're a Southern California boy. What's, what's the next step after that? (laughs) Oh, that's a big question. Um, I guess I think I'm going to go actually back into school, get a teaching degree. And, Mm. um, I guess my end goal right now is to teach in the sort of shoulder seasons of the fishing season. And then, uh, guide in the summertimes. Right, right. So maybe back to Maine? Either back to Maine or out here. Um, okay. I really like it out here, so I wouldn't mind 
doing some guiding out here if that isn't the case. Right. Yeah, that uh, wouldn't be such a bad place to uh, guide for a little fly fly fishing action, would it? Not at all. It's a it's a great town, and there's just endless opportunities out here. Well, that's fantastic, and uh, sounds like you're just getting to have some spectacular fishing opportunities there and uh some great memories and um we'll certainly be looking forward to following you here on instagram and uh and and seeing what's to come but james i just want to thank you so much for coming on the show and and you know sharing your experiences and that great small mail story man that was awesome (laughs) appreciate it thank you please be sure to follow the telltale fisherman on facebook instagram and twitter You'll get sneak peeks of upcoming episodes, notices of new episodes as they go live, and pictures from some of the most epic fishing adventures ever. Check the show notes for details. Thanks. This has been the Telltale Fisherman Podcast. Thanks for sharing another great tale with us. Be sure to check out the show notes page for more info on today's show and the gear we talked about. Keep those lines tight and we'll catch you next time right here on the Telltale Fisherman Podcast.